the only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. She said that every living creature on Earth dies alone. Hey. It's bad dog Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. I'm not The more you know who you are and what you want, the less you know. Things upset you. I've had a rough year, Dad. You want an unwritten life? I want an unwritten life. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be. I think you just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. Conversation anyway. Okay. Okay, looks like it's working. Yes, Spencer is recording the call. So, I have a new nickname for tonight. I've given it to myself. Are you ready for it? Sure. Mr. Sweaty Butt. <laughs> so, for those just joining us, I just had an emergency uh, lawn mowing session with the front yard, which is, as you have seen, hellacious. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I don't know why. I would just be like, no, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Oh no, because I want to. I really want to do it. That's the thing. It's a no obligation. It's really just wanting to do it. Um, but mowing the lawn made it so I could have, or do all the things I wanted to do this week, um, because I would have had to cancel the movie tomorrow night to do it all tomorrow night. Um, but doing the front yard today means that Katie likes doing the backyard because she loves. Do you know that she loves mowing lawns? Do we have we ever talked about this? No. Your, your yeah. wife is strange. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's parents, um, you know, conditioning her as a child to do chores, but in a fun way. Um, but our backyard is, despite appearance, is actually extremely easy compared to the front yard. Like, it's very, very easy because mostly it's downhill. And then, anyway, it's just easy. And so she likes doing the backyard, but the front yard with all her back stuff is not a good idea. And her very kind, gracious, maybe ridiculous self was going to do it tomorrow in 89 degree weather without anybody here. And I said no. So anyway, she was trying to be too nice to me. So tonight in return, I was too nice to her. Y'all are adorable. And we're disgusting. And we also get like, we also get like butthurt about it. And it's tense for a few minutes as we're trying to like both help each other out that are annoyed by the lack of the other one wanting to help wanting that it's just stupid it's just stupid i i've witnessed this and recently witnessed this firsthand it did you really kind of ridiculous <laughs> yeah i just... can like that like weird tension thing i can see it like when it's happening i'm like y'all are so weird <laughs> yeah it's all of our um childhood traumas <laughs> oh. But um, but anyway, so that's uh, that's what happened there. I appreciate your uh, your patience on the delay. I, I was afraid. I know we're going to the movie tomorrow, and it's very long. Um, but at the same time, like that might have been like your one late night this week. I have no idea what your um, routine is, and I didn't want to mess you up. So I appreciate you uh, hanging. Well, it's okay. When I'm like a week behind on all my TV shows, I can just blame you. Oh, that's such a sad story. <laughs> I think that when you're a week behind every Saturday and then you catch up. <laughs> yeah, but this Saturday I'll be in New York, so I won't have time to catch up. Oh, that's an even sadder story. I know. My life sucks, man. I don't understand how you go on. Me either. Did I you like my Make-A-Wish joke? Day. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was like, I hope it made one of them uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> that's my entire goal. I haven't called you Cancer Boy to somebody in a long time. <laughs> and um, And Tiffany asked 
who it was that came with me to Endgame. Um, and I said, oh, that was Cancer Boy. And it's been like six months since I did that to her. And she is like, um, she's too nice to a fault. And like, I would I've, I would tell her that. So if she ever gloms onto the fact that we have a podcast, sorry, Tiffany. But like, I know it makes her uncomfortable and it amuses me so much. Yeah, we uh, we recently had a new person added to our group at work. And uh, and somebody got fired today. Not in my group, but um, but she uh, she's not been around for the whole. Uh, hey, Logan had cancer twice thing, and uh, something happened, and I forget what. It, oh, one of the guys in our in my group shaved, and he came in. I was like, "Damn, Doug, you shaved all your beard off." He was like, yeah, I got a little happy with the trimmer. And we're talking about something. Like, keep kept going on about it, about beards. I was like, yeah, well, at least you can grow one. And she said, oh, you can't grow a beard. That's sad. I was like, well, you know, I mean, benefits of having radiation pelted at my face thanks to cancer. Oh. And she was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And, and like, I just kept going and she she was just so uncomfortable i was like it's okay i'm really just messing with you she was like oh you didn't have cancer i said oh no i had cancer twice <laughs> i was like but i don't get offended she was like my mom and my grandmother died from cancer and i was like oh well now i'm upset <laughs> i was like but that's not gonna stop me from joking about my stuff she was like okay y'all are weird so funny yeah yeah so anyway (laughs) so we are no longer in the end game uh we are chris hemsworth just started talking on my instagram (laughs) i was about to say did something somebody joining us i would that'd be pretty cool hey we are now joined by the famous oh i just closed my phone i'm so bad at technology Huge, huge weekend in the box. Yeah, Chris, what's up, man? I'm going to talk over you, but it's nice to have you in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Did that work at all? Could you hear him? Yeah, it was pretty great. Um, um, But no, I was posting about um, us podcasting with my Superman, which, by the way, meant to tell you, confirmed is the Superman, is the exact Superman. That's awesome. So anyway, um, but I was... I am uh, gearing up for my new venture and want to let people know I'm still doing stuff because I have not really promoted us doing this ever at all. Um, and I'm not necessarily sharing this podcast, just saying that, hey, I'm doing stuff. And anyway, um, sorry. And then Hemsworth joined us, that rude, uh, I don't know, scamp. That's the word I was looking for. I almost called him a skank. <laughs> I'm a little punch drunk. I'll get there. Um, anyway, what are we doing? We watched Endgame. And Game of Thrones. We're probably going to talk about both. Do you have any life stuff you want to talk about before we talk about this stuff? Because I'm really super down to just talk about this stuff. But life stuff is cool, too. We just caught up a lot Saturday. We we had dinner Saturday. Marie, Jacob, wish you were there. Shout out to you guys. And we caught up a lot. And so um, if you have stuff to catch up on more, feel free to, to let it out. But we could also just do nerd stuff. No. I mean, it's only been like two days. So The funny thing is. Not much has happened. We had like hours to talk about any of this stuff, or this in particular, Endgame, because we had not seen Game of Thrones yet. 
And we did not begin talking to it until Katie had come home and was in the other room. And I don't have a like a it's not like a tiny house or anything, but I don't have like a house where you could be in the kitchen and someone could be in the bedroom and not hear what's going on. And it was like, oh, we can't really talk about it because she's dying to see it and it'll spoil stuff. And she's done a really good job avoiding things. And so I thought that was really funny that we waited that long to bring it up. And then we couldn't yeah, talk about it. Ridiculous. <laughs> we suck at conversation. And yet we keep podcasting. Um, We're pretty good at that, just in real life. That's true. That's true. Once facial features and like responses are there, it's just no longer good anymore. I guess I don't know what it, I don't know what it is about me that I'm just like ah, I'm I'm okay. I don't really have to talk. I can just sit here and hang out in person. But like I get it online and I'm like, hey, let's podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I do feel like you would have sat there and read comic books if I'd been like, cool, man, I'm glad you're here. And then, like, I sat on the couch and turned something on the TV. You would have just read your comic books and, like, looked through them and stuff and been on your phone. And we would have just done that for a few hours. <laughs> so weird. It's like a bad relationship. Maybe yeah. a good one. Who knows? Relationships yeah, but, are also weird. But there are people that do this, like, in person, like, with each other in a studio or whatever, podcasting face-to-face. And... Maybe it's just my social awkwardness. But let's call it social demeanor, so we don't we don't yeah. neg you. Um, but like I, I'm just I I don't know. It takes me a while to build up to having that conversation. Whereas like when I'm online and nobody is around me, like can see me, I can get really like hyped up and excited and. But like in public, I'm just like, oh, I'm okay. I don't have to talk. <laughs> so funny. Um, well, okay. So let's get to it then. So we saw Endgame together Thursday night, like um, like 156 million dollars worth of people did, or something like that. Something stupid. I think that was Saturday or Friday. But either way, we saw it with a lot of people. Sold out screening. A theater holds like 600 and something people. So it was a nice big room. Um, it was rowdy. On a scale of like 0 to 10 being ten being the craziest, I would say it was like a, a respectable 6.5 to 7 of rowdiness. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would have loved an 8 or a 9. 10's too much because then you have people like going like, turn around and stuff like that when it's like a super dramatic moment. Yeah. Um, so I, I would have liked a little more, but it was a good crowd for the most part, a nice big group of people who all quickly dispersed after. I don't have groups of people. You and I could have stood there and talked the whole time for like three hours, I think. But most of my groups of people just walk away. But as soon as I say that, I think that usually when you and I see a movie, we do also disperse after. <laughs> well, well, at this point, we both have 30 plus minute drives home like from where we see a movie. So it is usually like, okay, well, like it, I would love to like go hang out and talk or whatever, but like we both still have to drive home <laughs> yeah. and it would just be even better to just drive home and then get on Skype and podcast. About it. it was so funny. Cause I, I literally, I was uh, about uh, 75% of the way through the um, X-Wing Files podcast that you do about, and it was the episode about the um, the trailer release of Rise of Skywalker. So it's like a long episode. And it kicked on because the way my car works now, I plug my phone up and when I turn the car on, it syncs up with where the last podcast or music I was listening to was and it'll just start playing it. Um, and that's kind of how I have it set to do. And so it just starts playing your podcast and you literally 
that it was like you were at a like I had a perfect stopping point from some other thought, and you went into this new thought about how you wouldn't essentially you were talking about you wouldn't want to be like the only one who saw Endgame four months in advance, and you had to sign a non disclosure and you couldn't talk to anyone about it. You want to be able to talk about it, and it sort of devolved into this whole thing of like, you know, I just wish I could like talk to somebody on the phone like as I'm driving home. So I immediately called you because I was like, this is like, I've got to call Logan because his voice just told me this is what he would want. And I have a drive. He's got a drive. I'll call him and talk about it instead of looking for other podcasts to respond to about it because none of them were out at that point. And um, so I called you and then you didn't answer. (laughs) And then didn't even see that you called me until like an hour later because I came home like my phone was in my pocket, came home. Uh, like made myself a little bit to eat, took a shower, went to go lay down, looked at my phone. I was like, when did Spencer call me? Oh God, I hope everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 everything's good. But anyway, so all of that is the setup. Um, in game, what movies have we seen together? We've seen Guardians 1, right? No, we saw Guardians 2 together. We Guardians. did. Did we see, we saw Winter Soldier together? We did. Um, we've seen, do we see either of the Ant-Men together? I don't think so. Well, no, I don't think we saw Ant-Man and the Wasp together. I know we saw Infinity War together, but not sitting even remotely near each other. Um, really? Yeah. At the IMAX. That's right. Cause of the signed seating. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then. So we've seen a, a smattering of these together, um, but I know you've seen them all. Obviously, duh. If you've been listening to this, that's not a surprise. So have I. Um, until I, I don't, I would assume. Let me just, can I just ask you questions so you can talk. Can I ask you questions? Sure. <laughs> what was your favorite Marvel movie before this one? Just like personal favorite, not quality best. Like, what's your favorite before this one? Ah, uh, that's so tough. Do you rewatch them much? No. Okay. Um. Okay. Um. Either Civil War or Winter Soldier, but Captain America, the three Captain America movies, were my three favorite Marvel movies. Do you think they're also the three best? Yeah. Okay. You know that's fair. That's fair. Um. Is so is Captain America then by default? Would that make him your favorite character in the MCU? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, and in terms of like the Avengers and Age of Ultron, um, and I'm excluding Civil War just because that is, I, I know it's an Avengers movie, but it's still a Captain America movie. Um, what are your thoughts on Avengers and Age of Ultron? Uh, I love the first Avengers movie, uh, much in the same way I love the first X Men movie. Um, it has a lot of problems, and the plot doesn't make any sense and it's kind of just propelled by the fact that like oh my god all of these characters are on screen together um rather than just like oh yeah that makes sense um so i mean i still love it and like there are moments i will never forget seeing that movie in the theater for the first time mostly because i had just watched every other marvel movie in the theater building up to that i did the marathon um oh the quaint marathon yeah yeah back when it was five movies or what four movies however many it was mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah i love the first avengers movie 
I was underwhelmed by the second Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of that could have been like, you know, I just came home from four weeks in the hospital or whatever it was. Five weeks. I forget how long I was in the hospital at this point. Yeah. <clears throat> and so when I went to go see it, I don't know. I guess maybe I'd hype much like Guardians. I'd hyped myself up to a point of like, this is going to be so amazing. And it was fine. Like, it's, I still think it's a good movie. It just, it's not a great movie. But in hindsight, like maybe, maybe much like I didn't like the second Harry Potter movie until we got to like the sixth Harry Potter movie. And I was like, oh my God, it makes sense. I might go back and rewatch Age of Ultron and be like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. This is a fantastic movie, and I don't know why I ever hated it. Or not hated it, but didn't like it. Didn't love it. I think Ultron has one of my favorite um, character beats in the whole series, which is just them hanging out at the party. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just some of the best stuff. And I, I was, um, and, and I guess we'll say now, like, full on, no questions. That should be assumed already anyway, because we talked about this. But um, we were going to spoil the heck out of Endgame. So just expect at any point we're going to start dropping Endgame bombs at this point on forward. Um, so if you have not seen it, um, you are in uh, the vast cinematic going minority. Um, but, uh, but yeah, wait till you see it. Um, because I got one of those in my house. So I'm not judging you if you haven't seen it. So that's so why I'm downstairs in the basement doing this instead of talking over dinner a couple days ago um so spoiler alert for endgame um but i thought it was so cool that some of that got called back in endgame um in particular and and in fun ways not just silly little flippant ways like thor i mean captain america wields meow meow and it's because he's worthy and it's this whole callback to this little moment and joke thing from age of ultron and it's so it's like this huge payoff of one of my favorite scenes but then it's also the most badass thing i may have seen in the mcu so far it might be the most badass thing we've ever seen in any film ever that's pretty badass i mean <laughs> I, I i was pretty floored by the whole thing i don't know i i remember reacting to that and to the on the left line um i don't know what else i clapped i clapped at something else um Avengers but... assemble is that it? I is don't know. It but oh my god! Yeah. No, it was just I. I was just losing it, just feeling so excited and high on the whole thing. But that callback to Ultron um, makes me go. Despite some of the stuff I did not like in Ultron, um, I'm so so glad that movie exists because without that weird Joss, not weird, but that very particular Joss Whedon phase of the MCU, we might not have this. And I just can't believe we do. And that's so cool. Um, so anyway, um, uh, what did you think of Infinity War? It's, I mean, it's it's good, but um, I mean, it's great. It's absolutely great. But it's great in, let's see, how do I, so like when you show up at somebody's house for Thanksgiving, your mom, well, I don't want to say your mom's house, but your aunt or uncle's house or whatever for thank like big family Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And you're the first one there. And like the te- some like somebody setting the table, the food's still cooking. And you're just like, this is going to be so great. Like it was two and a half hours of table setting. Like it's great. But all you're doing is just making me like want the end game more, you know? 
And so I left the theater just being like, well, that was great for a beginning or a table setting or whatever. But like, I really just need the second part of that right now. Um, you know, so I, I don't think I could ever watch it by itself again. Yeah. I think that, um, that, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I totally am. I've, I watched infinity war once when I bought it on Blu-ray, uh, which would have been at like black Friday last fall when it went on sale. I got it on one of those deep sales and then, um, I watched it again, gosh, maybe a month ago with Katie as we were sort of catching her up because we saw Captain Marvel, which I think we talked about a few episodes ago. We saw Captain Marvel. She really dug it, so we started watching the movies. And so we watched it, and I was struck by each time how effective the ending is despite the fact that it's like, yeah, we know this is, I mean, Black Panther at that time was the number one movie. You know what I mean? Like there's just no way it was disappearing um, forever that character was or any of those characters were, but it still is emotional. And I was so bowled over by the fact that they pulled that off on multiple viewings for me. Maybe I'm just a sap though. And so I really like that about it. And I think the action's fun about it. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like at this point, if I'm watching that, it's just to have a double feature with this which will be, you know, a 24-hour experience because they're both so long. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I I think I probably saw Infinity War outside of the Captain America movies more than any other movie after Avengers. Like, I, I think I saw Infinity War like four times or something. Um, and everything else outside of Captain America films I'm, I watched once, of course, but I maybe watched twice. I'm not even, some of those I'm not even sure I've seen twice. Like, I know I haven't seen Ant-Man in the, no, I did see it twice. Um, trying to think of what I haven't seen twice. No, I guess I've seen all of them twice. Even, uh, well, The Incredible Hulk was before Avengers, but that's definitely the biggest stinker of the bunch i think everybody will say iron man too but no iron man 2's got too many great fight scenes and some wild wacky performances so even if the movie doesn't fully work it's wild enough that it's worthwhile um whereas the incredible hulk which i've actually seen three times um is not a very good movie in any way it's more of like a um it's the weird cousin who comes to that big thanksgiving and you have to talk to them every few years (laughs) Um, like, why, why is this one here? <laughs> where's the cooler cousin with the indie cred instead of the uh, ego cred that uh, Norton has? Yeah. So, okay. So, Endgame. What are your thoughts on Endgame? I mean, it, it's fantastic. Um, I, just as a, a cinematic experience, I don't know that there will ever be anything like it ever again. I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars, but it'll never be able to do that ever. Like it just, it just can't. You, know? you don't. You don't think if Ryan Johnson, I mean, this is all hypothetical and not uh, necessarily what I think will happen. But if Ryan Johnson opened up a whole new time period and a whole new section of the galaxy um, with a whole new set of problems and issues that um, that they couldn't start doing spinoff things and build that. I don't think so. Yeah. Not for me. Not personally. 
I see what you're saying because of the the connection to the to the characters. Yeah. Yeah, that um, makes sense. I mean, I, I was listening to the slash film cast, and I hate to like steal somebody else's sentiment, but like Jeff Kanata on there is a, 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 like a kindred spirit for me because I, like this, he said it. It was he's like he said the comics were my friends when I didn't have any friends, and I get to see my friends do things I never thought I'd get to see them do. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it makes sense. I'm with you. No, I'm I'm actually with you. And and the, I even think about things like um, the like so the DC movies or the DC characters. Let's say because I'm not trying to invoke any quality of any of the films, but the problem with I think the DC properties is that um, there was a Wonder Woman TV show. There's been so many cartoons in which Wonder Woman has shown up. They're now a new Wonder Woman movie. Um, God, how many Batman shows have we had, plus the live action, plus we now have... I mean, I get that the first four movies, um, not including the Adam West movie, are sort of their own thing, but really that's Tim Burton's Batman duo, and then it's... Um, what's his face? I can't Joel believe it's Schumacher. Joel Schumacher's Batman do. Those are two separate things really. And with, without, even if Alfred crosses over, you know, um, and then, and then you have Nolan's Batman and then you have, there's, there's so much history of them on film that like, when was there ever an Iron Man before this, besides some animated things, you know, when was the zeitgeist moment prior to this? And I think that the DC characters have all had so much zeitgeist exposure and their moments in the past that that is why they have not been able to duplicate the experience, not just because of the creators they hired, but because no matter what, you're biased for what we already loved. I already loved Michael Keaton as Batman. The Batman Returns is my favorite Batman movie, but I've also seen The Dark Knight like 15 or 16 times. I saw it like six times in the theater. I've probably seen it more times than that, if I'm being honest. And 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 like there's these movies or these characters and these cinematic experiences, these visual experiences, I think are already set in our heads. So how can we be stunned? We can love what they do in the new version, but how can they really stun us the same way they could stun us with Captain America wielding the hammer and Iron Man making his, you know, sacrifice. And uh, like, I don't think it's possible because we're already, in a way, jaded, if that makes sense, on those other characters. Oh, absolutely. That's my feeling of why they it can't. I, that's more of me saying there's my long-winded way of saying this is why I think they could only do it with this group and why they could only do it this time and i think it the the potential to do it again is only there because feige uh kevin feige the the sort of brain trust behind all of this is leaning even more heavily into the weird less obvious heroes going forward and i think that gives them a chance at surprising us some more but i'm not hearing them introduce characters that are second tier that like Iron Man was a second tier character until Iron Man the movie came out, and I'm not seeing that. Like the Eternals is something totally off the beaten path in terms of mainstream. Oh yeah. And so there's I don't I don't know I don't see them being able to duplicate it because they're not picking new characters in that way. Captain Marvel is as close as I've seen them get to that. Um, so I'm curious to see what they'll do in the next run. They can still surprise us, but it's not going to have the 
same Iron Man effect. Yeah, I, we could spend a whole three or four podcasts talking about Kevin Feige, um, a guy who will prob- would probably sit there and say you're giving him more credit than he deserves. Um, and obviously he's not the sole, you know, creator involved. But I mean, has there ever... You would know better than anybody that I know personally. Is there ever been a producer who did anything remotely comparable to this? I truly think the closest you get is the Broccoli family with the Bond movies. Yeah. I think, but, but at the same time, the thing that's missing from those is consistency of quality. Whereas Kevin, I mean, say what anybody will about Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is not a bad movie. It may not be a movie that you think is as good as other Marvel movies or great, but it's not a bad movie. Um, And I I bring it up because I think it's considered more second tier, which obviously to the plot, they don't consider it second tier. Um, But in terms of the quality of the film, second second rate, but that's not bad. So to have to even have your stinkers once you really have control. So Hulk aside um, and. I think even Iron Man 2 aside to a degree because there's a lot going on with Favre and um, and uh, Whedon coming in. A lot of complications at that time trying to figure out what their quote-unquote story group would be. God, as soon as Feige is in the, in the driver's seat, the quality stays – the bar is very high in my opinion. Um, and even if you don't love them, they're, they're entertaining, thrilling movies with amazing visual effects, unique characters – that are propulsive and there's a lot of junk that comes out that I see that it doesn't compare, which is where the monopoly of creativity comes from. So no broccoli is as close as I could get, but man, Moonraker sucks. And I don't think there's a single Marvel movie that sucks as bad as Moonraker, except for the Hulk. And that ain't Feige's fault. Yeah. I mean, I was, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot and we vaguely talked about it the other night, but, uh, and then today i was Googling just interviews and kind of reading his Wikipedia and yeah, it just, so this dude applied to film school six times before he got in Mm -hmm. and, and not just any film school. Like he was determined to go to, uh, to UCLA, uh, yeah, wherever Lucas and all of them went. Um, it's either USC or UCLA. I think it's USC. Okay. Um, I could. I'm probably wrong. I'd have to look it up. Anyway, where, wherever uh, those were his filmmaking, you know, idols, uh, especially George Lucas, um, who I would say comes relatively close to what he's done. But at this point, Feige surpassed George Lucas. Um. Far and away. Um, but George Lucas built it from quote-unquote scratch. So USC guess, is correct. Okay. Sorry. I, I guess it's a little different since George built his universe and Kevin Feige kind of molded something into his universe. Yeah, but if you want to talk about – so take it away from the, the creation thing, the chicken and the egg thing. If you talk about the quantity of connected storytelling, I mean, geez – the, I mean, maybe now you could compare um, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, 
because she's doing she's kind of at the head of so much. But Lucas with the book rights and what he'd let happen with those stories, extending it out in all sorts of different ways. And only like, no, I mean, I think that maybe not in creating it, but in terms of creating a in terms of the the originator of an idea like he didn't like he didn't invent Captain America. Sure. But he connected 20 so I, I I keep getting this mixed up because of the stats. Is this the twenty third or the twenty second movie? This is the twenty second, I believe. So connecting that many films into one cohesive story with a with now when you look back, what I would consider to be a beginning, a middle, and an end, um, and made almost every single movie, even the movies that are rightfully or not so rightfully maligned. Man, I don't know if you know or what you experience in life, but the generic public ain't so hot on Iron Man three. And Iron Man three is a fantastic film. I don't get, I don't get it. I really don't. Somebody at work was talking. Yeah, I, I, Iron Man three was stupid. I was like, are you crazy? But that's the thing that is, incredible. <laughs> But Feige knows when he's got it right, and he leans into what he needs to lean into. That movie is all about Tony trying to deal with his PTSD, and there are such direct responses to that experience and that that what Tony goes through in that movie in Endgame, a movie that is considered – I think I know more people who like Iron Man 2 than I do who like Iron Man 3. That is not an exaggeration. I truly believe that. And and but Feige knows when he got it right and he knows what to lean into. And and I think that is the sign of a storyteller who honestly him fighting or continuing to apply to get into film school, the grunt work he did. I think that kind of look being real, being shit upon, but not letting go of your dream will make you fight harder and work harder and think harder about your dream. And I feel like he's living it because he learned from failure what was valuable and and how to call a shot and he's calling it and lucas i love george lucas i love star wars but i would not say that these are the same level of accomplishments feige's done something that i think you are right will never ever be done again yeah uh, it's it's insane i mean insane in the end game Uh, I mean, you can Google his story and read it, anybody that's listening, if, if you want to. But it's just, you know, tr- to keep, you know, getting denied what you know. I, I mean, it is like it is the story of like that he put together. Like you're you're just going to you're going to fail and keep failing. But you keep trying until you succeed. And I mean, he did. He got on with uh uh, Lauren Schuler Donner and Richard Donner, um, you know, and ha- had a chance to uh, work more closely with R- Richard Donner, but chose the career path of like sticking with Lauren Schuler Donner as a producer, which I mean, how does that change the ball game? You know? Yeah. If he goes down the directing path, you know. I mean, but, honestly, the state of, well, I was going to say the state of movies. I don't know if that would be so good, but Feige may be also the cause of the state of movies in a lot of yeah, ways. So yeah. maybe the move, state of mid-budget movies are much better, honestly. I mean, you can't, it's sort of like saying, um, you know, somewhat, the Ford invents the assembly line, but also sort of destroys uh, 
the environment, really, if we can just pick that as one thing that the assembly line sort of directly kind of led into destroying the way, you know. And so, but I think that in a lot of ways, Feige, yeah, he, he revolutionized and and created such amazing things. But I think he also erased the possibility for that alternate timeline. Yeah, and the crazy thing is the reason he he leaned more towards working with her was because she worked constantly and consistently and you know he would direct and then he'd be done and then he'd have a job either lined up in a few months or take some time off and he was like no i want to work yeah no i mean it makes sense to me i mean that's 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 a producer really people don't understand what producers are because there's so many false producers but that's a that's a that's a producer that's what it is and he kind of started as a, not a well, a false producer a producer in credit only really um mm-hmm. because he was you know doing her grunt work washing her cars and you know walking her dogs and stuff like that and she came on board with fox and the X-Men stuff and he knew a lot about it and she was like, Oh, okay. Well, like come over here, come be a producer on this. And then Avi Arad, uh, somehow they struck up a relationship and he's like, Oh, you know about comics. So you can be like my eyes and ears on the set and like report back to me how everything's going. And then he just keeps building up from there, winds up on the Spider-Man two film producing it with Sam Raimi, you know, it just, it, it is without the negative connotation. Cause I called Jon Snow, the Forrest Gump of Westeros, but it is a Forrest Gump style story <laughs> where this guy just like, he just didn't give up. That's all he didn't do. Like he, he just didn't give up. And yeah. eventually everything he wanted kind of just came to him by him being, who he is which is a story of thor you know like all of kevin feige's stuff is in these movies yep and i agree crazy how uh, yes it's telling those stories and these stories are mostly from the comics but they wind up being this autobiographical thing about this man and his career and his life and it's nuts to me so it's just, like I said, I could do three podcasts just on that guy. Um, and apparently he's an incredibly generous and humble and just not very, he's very unassuming, they say. So I'd, I, lo- I'd love to meet him. It's funny. The um, uh, Joanna Robinson, podcaster and writer extraordinaire of pop culture subjects, um, she gets to meet a lot of these folks and talks pretty candidly about them in different places. I'm a part of a, I'm a Patreon subscriber to her podcast, Storm of Spoilers, which means I get to be in um, this app called Slack with her. Have you ever done Slack at all? Yeah. So it's super personal. It's like a private Twitter feed with like your friends, essentially. Um, but you get to see like she does a lot. She's very open, very honest on there, very just sort of it's cool. She's more of a persona on Twitter than she is in the Slack. And that's not to say that the, the Twitter's false in any way. It's just she's a little more on because on because her, you know, her employer can see it and Vanity Fair's in her, you know, like byline. Um, but on the Slack, she can just kind of dick around and and so even there the way she talks about feige 
and even the Russo brothers, which I never would have honestly guessed, um, because in my mind, I think I've stereotyped all comedic male writers as dudes that I probably would not like, but I'm glad they create what they create, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and But even them, and then she also talked about uh, this writer who's done like a bunch of these movies, whose name I can never remember, and I'm pulling it out. Stephen Markakis, or whatever his name is? Yes. Um, and she talks about how they are... Um, Stephen McFeely. McFeely, yeah. Um, and how they are all Thanks. like other one. Um, yeah, yeah. And so and so but she just talks about how they're like all like genuine people. And so it's nice to like watch interviews, see things, read things, and think, oh man, they seem really cool, but then have someone like her who pretty much calls everyone on their shit all the time, um, kind of confirm, no, they're, they're actually pretty nice and they're really fun to talk to. And like when you talk to them, because you they inter- get interviewed prior to the movie even being seen by the journalist because of the spoiler phobia. And so like they're really friendly and nice about the whole thing because they're like, this is weird. We know it, but we appreciate you being here and just kind of nice. And uh, that sounds exactly like you want the people behind your, I don't know, biggest entertainment of the year to be like if a movie's going to make 1.2 billion dollars in four days i'd like some nice people to benefit from it and by all accounts a lot of these folks are nice um even the actors involved seem pretty nice i mean chris evans seems like a stand-up guy and hemsworth as well um and 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 downey jr has his past but dude has come a long way and even if he's got an ego the size of a mack truck i mean whatever he's kind of well earned and and so it's weird how they become the characters or maybe mm-hmm. they always were i don't yeah. know um because like if you uh read anything and believe anything about uh chris evans he is like he's not that guy that puts himself out there like his like he's got interviews where he talks about like what he wants to do to get away from everything like he goes camping by himself Mm-hmm. Like he just goes out in the woods and camps by himself because he's not a social person. Like he doesn't, he's not the guy to make himself the center of attention. And, and that's like a very cap kind of thing. Yes. But then he's presented with this platform where all of a sudden he's got the ear of a lot of people, not just big name people, but just the public in general and go, go look at him on Twitter. You know? He's awesome. He's Captain America on Twitter. I, and I, I I hate the term social justice warrior because of like what they turned it into. But I mean, that's what the hell he is. Mm-hmm. And he was never that guy. But because he becomes Cap, he becomes that guy. You know, just because he has a bigger platform. I like, oh, you know, like people care about what I have to say. And I am you know, more or less on the right side of things here. So, and, you know, Hemsworth very much seems like maybe not new Thor, new yeah. Thor, because that seems to be the thing. I think they cast these people so well. And in a way they miscast Hemsworth for what they were trying to do. But by the time, I mean, cause you know, like the whole thing, do you know the whole thing about pitching Ragnarok to Feige? Yes. And so, like, so, like, and and he, Hemsworth knew his strengths and essentially pitched the movie series to go towards his strength, which is more funny and self-effacing and and goofy, and and that's who Hemsworth is. So I think 
Feige also recognizes maybe when he missteps and will course correct into what his actors can do the best. And man, after Ragnarok, I will watch I will watch Hemsworth in anything that he does with Marvel because if they'll let him do his thing. And and I'm so excited for the future of, of this this, you know, as Guardians of the Galaxy thing. Um, just sounds like the best time in the in- entire world because he's just so good as this version. But they had to figure it out, and I think they did. I mean, good on Feige for letting Hemsworth know his strengths and know his weaknesses and try to play up his strengths. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. always was Iron Man. I don't think he ever wasn't Iron Man. It was just a matter of, like, does he bounce back? You know, he, does his storyline was his storyline was demon in a coke vial. Yeah. You know. um, so let me ask you this. So there's there's some there's some hot gossip out there. OK, I don't know if you've heard all this because I think you traffic more in the news and the good stuff. Um, but one of these folks and, it, and it's someone in all of the MCU and a bigger star. So it's going to be like a headliner, like a Cumberbatch or a Downey Jr. or an Evans. Um, not it's not going to be like a Palm Clemente or whatever um, from Guardians. But one of the bigger name ones is apparently a big old dick and no one ever really talks about it. But I have a theory, and I want to see. I have a guess, but I would like to know if one of them had to be an actual dick in real life. Who do you think it is? I don't have an answer, by the way. Is Jeremy Renner one of the? I don't think he's. Uh, I wouldn't call him in that tier. If it gets talked about, I hear he's just very serious. Hmm. I mean, any one of them could be. Because it, so it all let me could let me be. add an extra oh. detail. It's um, it's almost strange to deal with them because the way uh, they're a dick is that they're weird. I mean, I wasn't even thinking strange as one of the bigger players, but I mean, I would definitely think Benedict Cumberbatch is a straight up pretentious ass. See, I, yeah, so that's my thing, is when I hear these stories, I'm like, if if Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark in real life, which is what everyone says, you sort of know exactly how to deal with that and exactly what it's going to be like, and it's almost like you're getting a character appearance in real life and probably wouldn't be so hot about it. Like, if I got to meet Robert Downey Jr. and he was Robert Downey Jr., I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. But if I met Benedict Cumberbatch and he was a fucking nut, I would be like, what happened? But now, but now I can't get out of my head that Benedict Cumberbatch is maybe super weird. I, it makes sense, though. See, this is the kind of crap I don't talk about a lot, but I'm always fascinated by this bullshitty gossip stuff. <laughs> no, it, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, he's also not that. that well, I was going to say he's also the actor of the bunch, but I would say the thespian of the bunch. Um, and. I love stage actors and I love when stage actors do big, like grand things in cinema. Cause it, it just makes me so happy. But I grew up around local stage actors and they were unbearable. So like big time stage actors have to be completely just uh, like, I, no, I can't be around them, you know? No, it makes sense. I mean, it, it definitely does. Um, have you ever seen the Rachel McAdams show, which I feel like we've talked about years ago, the one from Canada where she's like in a local theater troupe? No. 
Oh my god, dude. Hold on. Just so I can promote it to anyone who's never swing slings and arrows is what it's called. Um, she's only in like a season or two, um, but it's a total of only 18 episodes and one hour piece. My God, you would love it. You should watch it. Um, anyway, that's a side note. So Endgame ends or well is the conclusion um, for a lot of our main original Avengers. We've got Hawkeye, the Hulk, um, we've got Scarlet Witch. Or, no, excuse me, sorry, um, Black Widow, um, and we've got Iron Man and Cap. Um, and I think three of these characters actually are the only ones that have definitive endings. So let's talk about those if you're up for it. Sure. So let's let's just go one at a time. I'm I'm going to sort of direct us to start with the one that I think is the um, the worst of the three conclusions, um, which is Black Widow. Um, so the Black Widow um, conclusion to her story is that in order to get the is it the Soul Stone, correct? Right. So she the, to get the Soul Stone, you have to sacrifice someone you love, and then you can have the stone. And it's this back and forth fake out of Hawkeye and her fighting over who's going to die, basically. And she sacrifices herself to die, and he gets the um, Soul Stone and the chance to potentially, if this works, um, get her get his family back um but we know from infinity war and sort of it's always been in my mind and it seems to be i remember you as well that like our thoughts were soul stone death means death like there's no unsnapping that right and so it's a definitive death at this point i thought that was awful hawkeye is not that interesting and I thought that doing all the bad things he did was the perfect reason to let him die because Natalie uh, – or Natalia, sorry, and and Black Widow, she overcame that horrendous past of hers of killing lots of people, which we may learn about in the prequel next year. Um, but Hawkeye – became the thing that she ran from they reversed their histories which is thematically i think kind of rich maybe not like super rich but it's a nice little trust fund and and so then he could die like that's a good time for him to go he he became the thing that he never was and can't come back from she finally came back from it and had a place and responsibility and was helping and they killed her i did not like it that's probably the only real problem I have with the film is that death. And it's not just because I like ScarJo. Like, I, I like her a lot, but I'll see whatever else she does. It doesn't matter, like, if she's not in this. I just thought that the character was – I just thought it was a bad move. Um, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the Black Widow death? Uh, I think I understand you're not the only one that has that point of view. A lot of people do not like Hawkeye. I'm not a big Hawkeye fan, but – I I understand that Hawkeye up until the the snap is a character that has spent most of his life before he got arrested saving people and whatever form or fashion that takes. Um, and then he his reward for that was losing everything he ever had. So his mental solution or, or way to work through that was to. Uh, no longer save people, but to preemptively destroy the people that should have gone in the snap. Um, yes. He, he walks into 
uh, in game with uh, or Infinity War, I guess, with green in his ledger, plenty of it. And in the end, I don't think ever makes his way. I could be wrong. I don't know to even evening that out or at best case, he evens it out. The bad he does wind up quote unquote bad. He does wind up doing is an even keel for all the good he spent doing before. Whereas, uh, black widow repeatedly talks about the red in her ledger and all of the things she's done that nobody knows about. And she will never talk about. And she even tells Clint basically at some point, she doesn't know if she can ever, ever clear that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the only, this is her way of clearing that. There was no other way for her. You know, the the woman who's done bad stuff that still keeps her up at night is going to let the guy who uh, does have a family that they are hopefully about to get back is going to let him sacrifice himself. It doesn't make any sense for the character. Now, personally, yeah, I'd rather see Hawkeye die because, you know, I could deal with a Hawkeye miniseries set before all of this starring Jeremy Renner, but I would like to see more of Black Widow. But the this doesn't mean we don't get more Black Widow. There's plenty of stories there to tell. So now, one thing. Um, so now, I, I think you make good points. I, I wouldn't really argue any of that. It makes me feel I hate it when you're right. So I'll just move on from it. <laughs> um, but one thing that gets mentioned that I've seen a few people on the internet kind of glom onto, and I want to know what your thoughts on it are. Are Scarlet Witch's comments up about? Um, um, I, I guess I think it's to Hawkeye about Black Widow saying essentially she knows like like Black Widow knows what's happened. Things are OK or something like that. And some people have, have kind of taken on that as Scarlet Witch is a witch and she knows things and she knows things. We don't know what she knows. And is Natalie or God, do they call her? I know they call her Nat. It's Natalia, though, right? I keep calling her Natalie. Uh, and I. Don't know if they call her. I think it's just Natalie in the MCU. Okay, maybe that's what's messing me up. But um, but they but the, that um, that the, the, the internet. Some people are saying that this means maybe the Scarlet Witch has a way to bring people back from the Soul Stone uh, trade off. Um, I don't truck track it that way i tracked it as like yeah. the kind of thing you say to someone to be very kind yeah. um thoughts and prayers are with you exactly <laughs> um your dogs and doggy have been missing you and thinking about you all the time it's just stuff i mean that's just what it, that's what it's like and okay cool we're on the same page on that um um okay so that's black widow any other thoughts on black widow um uh, no i while I, like I said, while I hate the way her arc ended, I don't think there's another ending for her. I'm excited for her, her solo movie. It's long yes. overdue, but I love a spy movie. And if you can make it a superheroic uh, action spy movie with this particular character that I already am invested in, I'm in. Even if she's bad, I'm in. Yeah, I, I also think it, it helps set the stage for that, oddly enough, because 
you're not walking into the Black Widow movie going like, this is what's going to happen after the fact. Yes. Like, no, all of this happens before. So it does make, like, her life is not ever in danger. But as the Marvel Cinematic Universe has proven, it doesn't matter whether we know their lives are really in danger or not because they find a way to, like, get that emotion out of it. You know, even if you know Spider-Man is starting in a sequel next year, he fades into dust and you're just like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, OK, so the next one, I'm doing this in the order. I'm just my own order. So whatever. Um, so to Tony, let's go with Tony um, next. Um, unexpected, in my opinion. Um, Tony Stark. um not the safe today, not so unexpected, um, but the power of the gauntlet and the uh, ta- the, 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 the pain and the, the violence of the, the fight um, and the gauntlet power kind of sapping his life force. I mean, it practically destroyed the Hulk. And so why would not it, you know, destroy a man? And because Tony Stark was always a man with a suit and he uh, he is Iron Man and he saves everybody. And I just got super emotional about it. How do you feel about that? I love it. Uh, much like Black Widow, I don't. It completely shocked me, only because they have so built this this universe around like, well, we have Robert Downey Jr. and he definitely brings people in, you and know? they have worked hard to keep him in. Yes. Like, I mean, I don't know if you heard the stuff about how like, so they got rid of the practical suit essentially because it was such a pain um and his acting is basically his head for for in some cases like civil war for pretty much the whole movie yeah and like it's it's amazing what they've done to uh to to continue to work with him and he had that crazy deal unlike anybody else and made so much money for over all of this and they just kept coming back to him yeah um so i i thought there's no way they don't continue that um, from a financial standpoint, if, just to go beyond the, the movies and characters, it does make sense. Like, eventually, we cannot keep paying this man to back-end deal that he he put in place. But it also shows his, his forethought. Much like Lucas being like, don't pay me. Just give me the merchandising rights. Like, that's all I want. Just give me that. You know, like, yeah, I'll do this movie for our $200,000. Give me 5% on the back end of everything else. Okay. <laughs> um, and now he never has to work again. But, uh, but like, thematically, it's, like, Black Widow, I think it's the only real fitting in for Tony. I mean, he becomes Iron Man because of his own, like, hubris and, like, war profit- profiteering and, like, just all of that stuff that, he uh, in, in a very Trumpian way inherited and then expounded upon to like levels where it's like, it's, it's fun to watch, but it's really deplorable. You know, if that Tony Stark became president of the United States, like he's fun when he's just this guy drinking and, you know, selling rockets to the military, but it's horrible to think about when he runs the country. Um, but he has that change of heart when he sees what he's doing and realizes the, the, uh, 
you know, I don't know, realizes how big of an impact he's having and then decides he wants to instead save the world in a very Superman-like way. So, you know, he keeps trying to do that. His whole story is building bigger and bigger things to try to save the world to the point that he winds up creating Ultron. And I do love that he gets his moment when he comes back from space and like as wrong and as flawed as a lot of his thinking was, it is uh, like, I was right. I told you, I told you all, you didn't want to listen to me. You told me that y'all, you would never let this happen. That that's what we were here for. And I told you that there would be things that we couldn't stop. And this is what happens. And you know, you didn't listen to me. So how did you think um so so story of the stuff, yes, I'm I'm with you on all of that. I felt that um this was the best performance Downey Jr. has given in absolutely years. And it's one of those that will at the end of the year be one of my favorite performances of the whole year because he really after all these performances as Tony Stark, he got he's got this guy inside and out. And the nuance of of him knowing he's going to die and sending messages out um, to surviving and having guilt over that and anger over that to then kind of coming past that to a degree to then needing to persevere in the in the humbling face of fatherhood um, and on and on and on it goes. You know the plot points. I thought Downey Jr. weaved in and out of all these plot points as an actor with such perfection and i know he won't get like best supporting actor nomination whatever bullshit who cares i just think it was one of the i think it's one of the best performances we'll see all year and it's one of the best single film performances in the entire mcu um i just adored that performance and i think it's what really signals the uh the tear ducts for me when he goes because everything before it has been so good yeah and and it's such a such a perfect thing to go out on uh we were talking me and ron were talking to elizabeth and she was saying something to the effect of like he should have had something to say to pepper or to peter or roadie or just something to say to them and like what is he gonna say like he steps into this world steps off that plane and says i am iron man you know and changes the entire world because of it. Like, of course you end on that. He doesn't need to say anything else. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, and it's, gosh, I, Pepper looking at him and saying, you know, we're going to be okay. You did it. Like, she gets him. That's some, that's some nice, simple dialogue that she gets it. She gets him. It's exactly what he needs to hear to actually rest in peace. Um, and, yeah. And she tells him earlier in the movie, you know, she's, she spent three movies trying to get him to stop doing this because mm-hmm. he was going to get himself killed. And she tells him earlier in the movie, like getting you to stop has been the, the only failure of my life. So I'm not going to try to stop you because you're going to do this because this is who you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she finally 
does stop him. You know, she tells him, this is it. We're good. You, you can rest now. You, you saved everybody. That's what he's been trying to do since the end of the first Iron Man movie was just un like Black Widow undo all of the bad that he had done and never realized it, that his whole family had done. You know, his dad starts all this not trying to do bad things, you know, but those people step in and corrupt the things he's trying to do. And then, you know, Tony just becomes a billionaire brat off of that. So um, I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I think the moment with his dad is great, too. Uh, it It's a little kind of sappy, but... And, and it's played way, kind of cheesy, which I think makes yeah. it a little bit easier to take yeah. in because they play it cheesy. Yeah. So and it needs to be, you know, because it's, it's just such a back to the future kind of moment, you know, like, oh, yeah. shit, it's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's move on to number three. Um, well, let's let's I'm going to throw in a so. Um, just, uh, before we get to him, um, so Hulk and Thor, um, and Hawkeye all sort of have, uh, resolutions to the bigger issue of Thanos and, or Thanos and, um, and they're and Hawkeye gets his family back. So that's sort of his resolution. Um, but he didn't have some big overarching drama. Thor has a, a very, very, very fun resolution in that he understands his goal, which is more of the Hemsworth understands his strengths are not to necessarily be the stoic leader of the Asgard Asgardians. Um, gifts uh, that role to a true leader in Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, which is, I think, pretty cool. And um, and he, being Thor, joins the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which is just uh, Quill versus Thor. is just so exciting to me. Um not the fight, but just the banter, and um, that seemed very perfect as a as a almost like a, a, a it's a into a book, but there's going to be another book, and that's exciting um, for him. And so they all kind of have their things. Is there anything about those you want to talk about before we get into Cap's sort of final um, send off? No, um, I, I talked about it on the the other podcast, which you can hear on the X Wing Files uh, this Friday. Um, I do think this movie is, is rightfully so the, the focus is on cap. It's on Iron Man and it's on Thor and Black Widow and Hawkeye, uh, Hawkeye to a lesser degree, I think, but still, uh, he's always been a lesser degree Avenger. So, um, like they all get the resolutions and Hulk. Uh, that they're supposed to have, you know, Banner uh, finds a way to to be uh, in coexistence with the Hulk, something he struggled with forever. Even though that happens off screen, we don't really get to see it, which is one of the most frustrating things for me. Like I hated that we just jumped over all of that, but whatever. Um, and Thor getting to realize that what his mom told him, you know, like stop trying to be the person that everybody tells you, you should be. That's what's wrong with you. You've never just been yourself. 
just go be yourself. You don't have to be a king because somebody somewhere said, well, he's supposed to be the king. It doesn't matter. Asgard's gone. We've lost everything. Well, she doesn't know that, but he knows we've lost everything. Like, I, you know, I can't lead these people. This is where I got them to the end of the world. <laughs> so yeah. just go be you, man. No, no, I'm with you. It's all good. I can't believe they made Dark World um, a, an important film. It just, just is wonderful. <laughs> it, much, much like the uh, Age of Ultron thing, Dark World is up there with what's actually probably my least favorite MCU movie. I did not really like it at all. Um, we should find that review and put it up because you and I talked about it. I was like, yeah, I didn't think it was that good. Um, now somewhere. Now I want to go back and rewatch it and be like, well, maybe it is the uh, Chamber of Secrets kind of thing where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is actually better than I thought. So. So, um, so no, no, I'm, I, I think I'm going to have to look in the, uh, the Amazon archives because I'm getting into some of that stuff now anyway uh, with my new project. And so I got to find some of that stuff. Um, okay. Okay. Let's get into the big one. Um, Mr. Cap, your favorite character. Talk to me about it. I, it was, <laughs> I, I said before, uh, I even saw the movie. I don't, I think I said it to Ryan, um, but that I wanted Cap to have the quantum leap ending. Uh, but not, I, I don't know. I don't know what the ending is. Uh, well, yeah, I guess if you never watch quantum, so quantum leap, was basically what they're doing, jumping through time, trying to fix things. Well, two characters in Quantum Leap, uh, Sam, the main character, he never leaps. Like, he just keeps going through time. He never makes it home. He's just lost in time. But the other character, Al, uh, very much had a Captain America-like story where he uh, was in a POW camp and uh, he never made it home to his wife was assumed dead. Uh, his wife eventually filed those papers, you know, where you can declare. Go, yeah. Um, and got remarried. And so he just, once he actually came back, like he, he had no life, everything he knew was gone. Um, so at the end of quantum leap, Sam never gets home, but Al somehow is able to go back and, reset all of that and be with his wife and i said like going into the movie i was like i want him to have al's ending for quantum leap and i'm not even shitting you the last scene with al and his wife in quantum leap is of them dancing in their oh, living room no way <laughs> and so when it ended like that i was just like oh my god that's incredible <laughs> um I mean, it's the perfect ending, man. It's the soldier that never got to come home finally getting to come home. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and, and, it, and it speaks to everything he's wanted, his his deepest desires, which he you know wore on his sleeve for all of these years. Um, and just to be clear, do you think there's any chance that he made out with his daughter? No. Okay. I'm just the Peggy Carter daughter, Civil War. Yeah. Um, so um no, I, I thought that they 
I don't know. I just thought it's all good. I think that I expected him to die and there to be more of a meta- metaphorical dance with Peggy, but I felt like there was no way he didn't get that dance. And I was very pleased that it was quite literal. Um, I thought that was really, really nice. Um, I think that, um, what are your thoughts on, do you, or, or do you even have thoughts on the time travel aspect affecting anything that we've seen already? That That's the biggest, It it's always been the biggest problem with, especially the Avengers movie specifically, is that most of the stuff that winds up happening just doesn't make any sense. And instead of trying to stop and really dig in and over explain it or whatever, they just barrel through it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first Avengers movie, like you're like, wait, the staff does what? And what? Like, I don't understand the rules of any of this. And instead of explaining it, they just keep going like, ah, you'll catch up, you know, and they do that with this movie too. And I'm fine with that. But it is a thing where if you sit and think about it, like it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, so did he snap Thanos and all of his people out of existence or did he put them back? Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. Because if you snap them out of existence, doesn't that then negate? So much other things, but the ancient one also says that you know it your past self in the future doesn't negate uh what your past self already did in that future if that makes any sense so that so here's the idea i don't know exactly what you just said that's too confusing (laughs) um but this is my thought on it so so they yes they snap them away which could in theory mess up the timeline but because you've taken them they're out of the timeline now they're on their own current timeline when cap goes back and puts the stone back it is prior to thanos finding or thanos i keep calling him thanos thanos um finds out about everything and therefore he never has to find out and it all goes back to normal is that the idea maybe but then that brings up the question, like, well, if that then goes all back to normal, then somewhere in there you've created a loop that just doesn't end. And that's fine as long as the loop doesn't loops back in on itself. Yes. You know, it's a Mobius strip or whatever. Like, yes. As long as it stays connected, it's fine because it never branches off into something else. So let's let's revisit that in a second. Let's revisit that in a second because I have I have a thought on some of that. So coming back to Cap, um, what did you think of the shield handoff? Uh, it's fantastic. Um, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it should have went to Bucky. No. Much, much like the Black Widow, Bucky has too much uh, on his soul. Uh, the shield is a symbol. Being Captain America is a symbol, not of the country, but of always upholding and doing the right thing, even if everybody else is telling you it's wrong. And Bucky does not represent that. I love Bucky. I think he's got one of the best character arcs in the MCU. Um, All credit to Ed Brubaker. 
Um, so good. But he doesn't deserve the shield. And he also, he knows he doesn't deserve the shield. And so, like, that that's totally okay. Sam absolutely deserves the shield. Um, he has never, we've never seen him do anything except be the guy everybody could depend on. I got so emotional when he handed the shield off and how they don't, they're doing so much as a uh, major film, film studio in presenting the handing off of the shield to, to Anthony Mackie that they didn't have to do. And they also could have really patted themselves on the back for doing in that moment. Um, and they don't do that because the story really does earn that moment. But I also felt the social implications, if you will, right. of the whole thing. And it was just so impressive um, and moving. And I thought that was just great. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> there's so many people out there that want to pat other studios or directors or what have you on the back for uh, being progressive. And I'm all for that, but some of it does wind up being progressive for the sake of just saying, Hey, look at us. We're progressive. And I, I do think there's a, there's a way they could have done this a lot quicker, but I also think that they let all of this, the studio, Foggy, whoever, let all of this happen naturally rather than forcing any issues. And I, it just, I don't, for, you know, it doesn't matter my opinion on it, but to me it just works better because it doesn't come across as them holding themselves up as, look at us, aren't we so awesome? Oh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, so in the movie, so speaking of emotional moments, did you get emotional at any parts? Oh yeah. Uh, all of the ones you'd expect the the dance, uh, uh, I am Iron Man Avengers assemble, uh, on your left, um, on your left, man, Ooh. she's, she's not alone. Um, although she just punched a spaceship through a spaceship. So I'm not sure what you ladies are going to do to help her out, but <laughs> <laughs> she's at this point, seemingly invincible, invincible, um, unbeatable. Um, so yeah, sure. I, I guess you're a distraction. I don't know, <laughs> but it was very, very cool. Uh, the whole a force thing. Um, although it does feel like, Hey, you're never going to get that movie you wanted, but here's five seconds. Um, <laughs> Unless they make the movie, they could. Yeah, I'm going to Paltrow's done, and well, that's, that's fine with me because she's an idiot. But uh, <laughs> but she's so good as Pepper, man. She is. No, she really is. I agree. But yeah, it almost makes it worth it. Like hearing the stories about her stupid website and the stupid like uh, like legitimately stupid holistic crap that she tries to swindle people with. Not the, I, there's some logic in a lot of that stuff, but I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to the Goop website, but no, holy shit, dude. I've read enough about it, but I have not taken the, um, the dip. Yeah, she's an idiot. Um, 
but yeah, I genuinely love her as as Pepper. Um, so that and to see her actually get to play a hero, um, get to come in and save Tony really for once was really nice. Um, uh, trying to think of some earlier stuff. Uh, a lot of the Thor stuff, I didn't like bring a tear to my eye, but it was very emotional. Um, watching him kind of deal with, uh, I'm a God and there's nothing I could do. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's very, uh, it's very, you know, it grabs me the right way. Um, Ant-Man with his daughter was rough. That was one of the few moments where I, as, as he sees her and he's like, you got so big that like, I was like, Oh my God, me being a parent is affecting this right now. I, I think it's a very great moment. I don't think it will ever really affect me the way it, it will affect parents. Unfortunately, I, I genuinely thought like about Ezra being five years older because he's grown so much in three and a half years. And it's just like, I cannot imagine. So if it were to, if it were to happen now, I, he would be almost nine years old. He'd be unrecognizable. And I was I, sorry, all this stuff in that moment just went flying through my head in this little brief moment. And it just it hit me like a ton of bricks. And um, and it really jacked me up. And I think that, yeah, as much as you say that, think about your, your nieces and nephews, man. It would just be so crazy. And I think you probably have some of that with your, you know, you'll go a month or so but not being home. And but yeah. but like, whew. yeah. Anyway, that one that was the surprise emotional moment where I'm like, oh my god, I'm not gonna be okay in this movie because they just wrecking me in the first like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, hmm. <laughs> I mean they they killed Thanos Thanos off in the first 10 minutes of the movie. That's true. It cut his head clean off. All um, right, so head. so happier stuff or weirder stuff. Time travel, timey wiminess. So future part two, man. So we've gotten because of all of this Gamora back, essentially not the same Gamora, which is cool. I really like that because we get to stop dealing with the quill. She hates Peter Quill. (laughs) It is a very interesting way to resolve the will they won't they kind of mess that they they got themselves into. Obviously, Quill is a Kirk, you know, analog. So he's just attracted to women in general um and that's fine but he kind of fell for gamora um partially probably because she wanted nothing to do with him and we end their other story with them in a good place and then she dies so you know that's an interesting way to resolve the like oh now we can get back to the like she hates him and he's in love with her thing Uh, and then and so that was cool and then we also um in my opinion have a loki problem now a good one i think so 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 i almost said season one uh loki um but but early early loki bad guy loki full-on bad guy loki um the the issues of thor ragnarok just like the gamora quill stuff 
that resolved the Thor-Loki dynamic to the way it needed to be. They needed to know they loved each other. Um, they needed to know that they were okay with each other. And they knew who each other were. They did all of that. They killed him. And they really killed him. He's de- dead, died, done in, in Infinity War. And then Loki gets the Tesseract and a timeline mess up, mishap. And that is never resolved. So the Loki, ha- or the Loki, so Loki is out there somewhere doing stuff. Well, I mean, it's it's the perfect setup for the Loki TV series. So, in theory, but also like, he'll come back to the movies. <laughs> yeah, he can. Do you think he will or no? I mean, I don't want him to. Okay. I so. I, I love Loki. The character, period. I've always been a huge Loki fan. Um, there's a great... Uh, what you can buy it as a graphic novel now. Just called Loki. Uh, or Loki and Thor Blood Brothers. Uh, it might be retitled now. But it's by Rob Roddy and Asad Ribic. It is a fantastic story of basically like Loki wins. Like this is what happens if Loki wins. Um, it's so damn good and I just I love it I love watching his character but I also really like it uh, I did, you never read the Young Avengers did you? No Okay At some point Loki is de-aged and becomes this kid who basically just jumps around and gets himself involved uh, very Mr. Mixes Pitalik like Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. and he just kind of shows up and creates problems and then like he might help resolve. he's like the anti-doctor you know <laughs> instead of showing up and being like oh it's what a coincidence i'm here and i'll help you solve this problem it's like oh hey i'm here let me just mess all this stuff up and then bye guys i'm gone i'll see you later um i like that idea of loki especially tom hiddleston being able to just do that a, a a show where he an anthology type show kind of like doctor who where he's just jumping around and creating problems for people mm-hmm. yeah so, no that's i don't that's need him fighting you know gods again i want him doing that <laughs> yeah that sounds fun that sounds fun i like it i like it one complaint you brought up to me was the missing vision Yes, especially knowing, knowing going into this that WandaVision, which is a terrible name, uh, Scarlet Vision is a much better name. Um, true. That's actually very true. <laughs> I never thought about that, but it just um, is, is a thing. It's going to happen. Um, but do you think that I think you brought it up in the when we were leaving the theater did what we see is that a setup for this chick has lost her mind and rightfully so i think so yeah i think she's gonna there's a whole you know i don't know how many but i've experienced at least one or two uh, instances of of wanda based stories of of her being so messed up that she creates worlds or versions of worlds on what she can handle or needs life to be like and and it's already kind of floated that it's going to be a 50 set tv show 
And so I, I think that she's creating the perfect nuclear family in her head with her magic and vision won't actually be real. Um, and, and that's going to be a show about sort of a psychological break, um, which could be for two or three episodes, a really fun sitcom play on, on tropes and then transform into what it really is. Um, for whatever reason, um, or not for whatever reason, for very specific reasons of how good Legion is at this sort of thing. I feel like, uh, Noah, um, uh, Holly, right? Holly. Yeah. Um, I feel like I wish he could do it. I think that would be incredible. Um, but we don't know any showrunners, so there's still hope and I can dream about it, but it sounds like something that he would be, um, pretty much perfect at. Um, so, but it also, he's doing that in Legion. So maybe that would be boring for him. Um, but I feel like that's the kind of thing that we could be in for, and I'm really into that idea. I mean, that that's directly out of the comics, too. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it could be perceived as a spoiler. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, you know the whole, like, you know, she, her and Vision did have kids. Mm-hmm. And, and then it winds, like, that's what happens. Like, she's had a psychological break. And like you said, I think at this point she's had half a dozen in the books. I mean, you have that uh scarlet witch and vision miniseries where they have children mm-hmm. they have uh what, house of m yes um, uh, you have there's some stuff. sort of follow-up to that i think as well yeah but. um something around secret invasion or uh god what was the it was in the bendis stuff yeah bendis is all over all that yeah um, and I can't remember the storyline. Um, anyway, yeah, she's had several psychotic breaks and, and not, not because, you know, like, oh, it would be interesting if she had a psychotic break. Like she's a very interesting character in the, the comics because of how, like, she gets pulled in so many different directions, you know. Uh, her dad being Magneto in the books and like never telling them that he's their father. And then you, you know, they find out about it and then, you know, are they, are they his kids or are they not his kids? Is he lying to them? You know, she's a bad guy. She realizes the error of her ways, becomes a good guy, gets manipulated, falls in love with an Android. Um, Yeah. It just, it's, she has a very interesting story and there's not any more act. There's not an actress more perfect for doing that than Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. I feel like they're finally going to be able to let her do what she's good at. I mean, the reason she winds up in those movies is because of, uh, what's the name of the movie? Martha Marcy May Marlene. Yes. Like that's yep. how she gets the job in the MCU. And we haven't really got to see her like stretch her acting chops in that way. I mean, that movie's incredible. Mm-hmm. I agree. And she's so good in it. No, I agree. I, I think that we're going to potentially the shows are going to be able to fulfill a lot of this, the B roster potential. Um, and, and that's my hope. Um, is that it, it's filling in little niche things that'll be amazing, um, but not necessarily as suited for, excuse me, 
Sorry, my lawn mowing exhaustion just took over my my whole body. Um, but I think it's going to fill in some um, some niche character things that they're not going to take a hundred million dollar budget and do. Um, that, so I, that does beg the question: Where do you go? Like you you have Black Panther, yes. We're getting a follow up to Doctor Strange, sure. We're getting another Guardians, okay. Um, but that that can't be it. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, right. Um, which needs to be set still either in the 90s or the very early 2000s. Because there's so... I mean, we didn't even talk about her in this movie, but she's literally just a hammer or a deus ex machina or whatever that just shows up and does things and then disappears and it's like... Where did the chick who can't be stopped go? Well, she she was winning until he took the, st- the stone. Right. And the stone's the one thing that could beat her. And so that I, I sort of follow, I track with all that. Yeah. Um, um, I, 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 don't, I just don't like that that Superman type of like, oh, she can't be beat. So here's a magic rock that can beat her. But this whole movie is around magic rocks. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, get, I do get what you're saying, though. And so, no, 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 I, I agree. I would love to see, fill in all those gaps in time and, and space and see her do all sorts of things. Um, and the Eternals thing, I have no idea what that's going to look like on the big screen. Um, I, I'm Until they're filming, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not, like I want it to happen. But I, much like Guardians, I just keep waiting for it to be like, uh, yeah, they didn't really work out, so we're just gonna go back to the drawing board. So. Yeah, and, and so apparently Feige is not announcing a ton of stuff until after Far From Home, um, which also doesn't seem to be a movie that's gonna make any sense unless it is somehow um, comfortably a prequel to Endgame. Because why would they? I heard the joke on a um, the uh, Storm of Spoilers, which I mentioned earlier. They were joking that there is no way this movie takes place after Endgame because otherwise it would just be two hours of them in group therapy for what they've been through. Um, and so I'm, I'm, which was a joke, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, kinda like, how are we going to fix that? So I'm curious to see about far from home, what that ends up being timeline wise. Um, but I, I've after this movie, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's before infinity war. Right, so it's gonna. I like. I I pictured the last scene being them on the bus and him swinging out, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, which would be fine, totally fine. Um, but it, I kind of think it has to be that now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I, but I, I'm intrigued to hear after Feige when Feige starts talking again about what's coming. Um, and I, I want more Black Panther. I want more. Um, I definitely want to see this Guardians 3 uh, script written by James Gunn that um, that he knew where things were going. He did, like, that, uh, gosh, his, his Thor versus Quill could just be so wonderful. Um, so I'm into it. I want to see, but the bigger picture, I don't know. Do they introduce some sort of villain? Do they introduce some sort of, I don't know. I don't know what's the overarching problem. What's the Avengers movie of the new version of this? I don't know. I would like to see them go the smaller route. You know, we did the the big, huge thing. Um, 
Because it's kind of been the problem in the comics for a while is that everything has to be bigger than the event before it, you know, and, and it's created a never ending problem for comic books. But I would like to see them reverse that and go, okay, we're going to keep it smaller and intricate so that like maybe it's these quote unquote street level characters, you know, and like these four people like these four franchises tie into each other. And then there's two franchises over here that kind of cross over with each other and, you know, all that crazy stuff. But I mean, hell they could just focus on the, the Disney streaming stuff. I mean, six damn dollars there. There's no way people are not going to lap that up and they're going to have to put content on there. No, you're, you're not wrong. It'd be fascinating to see. I think we'll have to, whenever they do some announcing, we'll have to reconvene specifically about that. Um, and Give see me what's my what. Moon Knight movie, damn it. <laughs> All things are possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, who knows, man? Maybe they slowly build the mutant saga in some way, tie in the Shi'ar, just slowly build it over time. You know, one movie, there's a one character who appears and has a random power and something's changing and they build mutants from scratch. They could do it. It could happen. Um, But I'm I'm not really I'm not one of those that's overly I think we talked about this Saturday. I'm not overly joyed about that. I I am with you in that the more exciting prospect is a good fantastic four movie but at the same time i still don't even care about that um in some big way um i'm good with them not existing in this world but i know they will i mean i'm sure it'll be good and they'll eat my words and they'll make me love it but that's fine too um because that means it was good so that's cool yeah, yeah. um well yeah man I'm, I'm feeling the fade really hard it's just hit me very suddenly you didn't get to talk game of thrones i'm sorry i know no, this is great. I love this. This is this is all the talking I need to get done. Game of Thrones is okay. You hate Jon Snow. This episode proves you're right for the very first time because he literally did nothing. Um, and it was really like disappointing that he did nothing. Um, but but I, you could barely see that he was doing nothing. So no, so I had fine picture, and I we we I, talk, I conferred with Katie about this later, and was like, well, "Did you think the picture was bad?" And we both were totally fine with the picture. Yeah, no, so no. I, people just don't know how to change their settings on their television. They're fucking idiots. So right, and and I do know that there's some streaming throttling going on by HBO, but because we have yes. fiber, maybe that there's no issue on our end. I don't know. Um, I don't know how all of that works. I don't really care because I had a fine experience. Um, I definitely had ugly face crying with Theon because he always just wanted to guess huh, spoilers for for a Game of Thrones battle of Winterfell, which uh, the whole joke is no one spoiled in game over the weekend, but everybody spoiled Game of Thrones last night. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, um, but um, but I ugly cried like uh, just horrendously about Theon um, because he just always just wanted a home. He wanted to belong somewhere and he wanted to uh, be worthy of something. And uh, Bran gave him that in his last moments. And it was wonderful. And Alfie Allen is the secret MVP of this whole show. And he may have had a, a character that we didn't like at all times. But dear God. Did he have an arc and a conclusion? And I uh, loved all that. Um, and Arya is the badass. We always hoped she would be. And uh, I'm glad my dog is named after her. That's always been the big fear is one day would I regret naming my dog after Arya. And uh, in fact, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Anybody calling her a Mary Sue 
whatever. You haven't been paying attention, and you're an idiot. I mean, that's ridiculous. Agreed. Not to continue to say storm spoilers, but I listen to them a lot because it's just very detailed about the two things I like the most at the moment um, in pop culture, uh, Game of Thrones and Avengers. And um, yeah, I mean, Joanna Robinson has a good point of, yeah, we all suffered through like two seasons of her training and being beaten up and blah, blah, blah. So to prove that she could just do this, (laughs) like Mary Sue is someone who just shows up and can do something magical. Right. Like I was seeing that pop up And I was like what the hell is wrong with you people Have you been watching the show There's no way she's a Mary Sue Yeah (coughs) Bless you but no, it was awesome. Um, I actually really enjoyed the whole The whole episode I was so tense For so much of it And while I totally messed up our Game of Thrones League um, And I'm going to lose that thing No questions asked I'm second from the bottom Um my my death pool at work. On the other hand, I'm in I'm in second. So who knows what can happen next? Um, yeah, I think I think it's a damn shame that the only Stark we saw we saw die this weekend was Tony. No. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's your question. Put the money on it. Does Cersei make it or no? Like the the very. The part of me that just loves the the bad, especially badass females, like I very much want her to just not maybe not be on the throne, but somehow make it out alive. And there's just that like, yeah, there's a chance that she could make it back and just, you know, somehow wipe, wipe them all out. Just end with that. But... I feel like they're going to give everybody the ending that they think that they want. Cersei's not going to make it. Um, I think it'll just be the Jon Snow and Danny on the throne at the end with uh, maybe Arya and Tyrion left. Yeah. Do you think Sansa's dying? (sighs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I think she's gonna do the, um, the when Arya hands her the sword and she's like, I don't know how to use this. I, I think she's gonna get to a point where she's like, I'm tired of having to have people defend me. I will. I'd hope Danny would be at that, um, although she does have the dragons. But still, when she was left to just defend herself, she was almost completely useless, um, which kind of bothered me i know she hasn't had any training but my god <laughs> you're running around with the dothraki you can't hold the sword and fight some people off Ugh. um but uh, uh i forget where i was going with that sansa making it or not sansa's gonna die because she's gonna get tired of having to have everybody defend her she's gonna try to defend somebody and get herself killed my hope is that when they go south, she, good lord, I'm so sorry, she um, stays back. She just doesn't. She stays at Winterfell, Lady of Winterfell, send them on, go do your thing. That's my hope, and that she gets to see this thing through to the end because she stayed where she belonged, not because she's a woman being in her place, but because that's her home and she wants to defend it and take care of it. And that's my hope, is that she stays to rebuild Winterfell. 
that yeah. would give her a very um, plausible way to not be involved and to therefore not get killed by Cersei's people. I'd be okay with that. Do you think we're going to finally get the uh, Clegane Bowl, the Mountain versus the Hound? Oh, absolutely. I really the only didn't. The reason the Hound survives this fight is so that you can see him face down the mountain. I agree. I didn't think we were going to get it until then. I thought surely they won't be that cheesy. And I think that'll be, I, I will admit, I will probably love it and be like all into it. But at the same time, part of me will be ashamed because I will be like, this is a narrative contrivance uh, on par with their warp speed time travel through the oceans on little boats. Yeah, it's I don't know why it bothers me more on like this show than it does in movies like The Avengers. But it really does. <laughs> because for three seasons, that's not the show this this was. Yeah. I mean, that's you're right. why. You're um, absolutely right. They would, just, like, you, oh, you think this person's going to survive to get revenge or whatever? Like, nope, they're dead. And now it feels like, I mean, all of the main characters should not have survived last night. That's I ridiculous. Agree. I mean, and then the, the what I'm calling the Three Musketeers, the Brienne, Jamie, Pod trio, mm-hmm. Uh, like there were three different times I thought, oh my god, they just died. Oh no, they didn't. And because it looked so much and it was so close, and I, I just don't know. Pot especially, Pot should be dead. Come on now. Yeah. Um. But um, I'm glad they're not because I like them. But that is not um, necessarily narratively the best thing. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, I was so involved in it, and so so I don't know. I don't know how to judge that other than I had a good time watching the show. Yeah. That's fair enough. But anyway, I'm not loving it. <laughs> I know, but it's not as bad as Walking Dead. Uh, it's getting there. <laughs> oh, God. Good, good thing it's going out in three weeks then. Yep. Um, Can't wait. Well, on that happy note, um, I just am tired. So this is fun, man. I'm glad we did it. Um, yeah. See you tomorrow. Thanks for everyone. Yes, definitely. And um, everyone have a better tomorrow. Go see Avengers. <laughs> Again and again, right. again and again. Avengers again to game. <laughs> <laughs>